Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. One of the great challenges in learning new skills is being able to put them in practice in real scenarios. Although practicing in real life offers critical learning, it also can come with some serious risks. So can AI be the answer in creating on-the-job learning without these risks? My guest is an internationally recognized expert in AI and education, and the technology he created helps people learn faster and more effectively. Dr. Lewis Johnson co-founded Alelo in 2005 as a spin-out of the University of Southern California. Under his leadership, Alelo has developed into a major producer of AI-driven learning products focused on communication skills. Alelo has developed courses for use in a number of countries around the world, all using the virtual roleplay method. For his work on the first Alelo immersive game, he won DARPA's Significant Technology Achievement Award and the ITSEC Serious Games Challenge. Alelo was a runner-up in the 2021 International E-Learning Awards and is a qualified team in the XPRIZE Rapid Reskilling Competition. Lewis has been a past president of the International AI and Education Society and was co-winner of the 2017 Autonomous Agents Influential Paper Awards for his work in the field of pedagogical agents. Thank you, Lewis, for joining me today. Happy to be here with you. The platform that you created under Alelo puts people into the environment that they are learning about. So can you describe what this learning experience looks like? What someone see and experience in this program? We deliver it in a couple of different ways. So one way is there's simply an avatar on your device that you can talk to and who will respond to you. So people who use mobile phones, that's the most convenient way of, of interacting with NSkill. We also have a, a 3D game interface where you can actually enter a virtual world and walk up to avatars in the environment and, and talk with them. It's, it's the same AI technology both ways. It's just a different um, user interface uh, delivery. So on your screen, you see the environment in which you're talking to the person. That's right. You know, let's say for, for our, one of our English language learning simulations, you practice mailing a package at a post office. So you mm-hmm. walk into the, pa- the post office, you walk up to the counter, and then you start talking with the, uh, uh, the postal clerk there. That's wonderful. And I mean, the the unique aspect of your program is the AI aspect, because as in learning a language, it's not scripted what you say. You can talk to the avatar in any which way you want, and they respond to you, which is absolutely amazing if someone goes on the website and sees how it plays out. So that's what happens in a workplace setting on the screen. That's absolutely right. So our focus of all of our learning products is helping people communicate better in particular situations. And you don't communicate by following a script. So in in fact, communication is listening as much as talking. So in the interaction with the avatar, you get that experience of real interaction, listening and speaking in in a natural kind of way. 
Mm, fantastic. That's really interesting. So what kind of learning is this technology most suited for? We're going to talk about the workplace setting of it, but what is the specific learning it's suited for? We started using developing this technology to help pick people quickly learn foreign languages and cultures. So for example, we would create a virtual foreign country and you would enter that in order to practice the language and, and the culture. But as we developed this, we realized that this had a lot of application beyond just learning foreign languages and cultures. So we're now applying it to various occupations where people skills, soft skills are a crucial component. Right now, we are applying it to uh, public health, to healthcare training, but we see application in customer service, in team training, in a, you know, a range of different occupations. It really fills a gap that we see in a lot of conventional e-learning, which tends to be kind of one way. You know, you watch the video or maybe you, you know, click from a menu, but in our training, you actually have the experience of actually performing the task in an interactive context. That's the key difference. And as you're going through it, the software is constantly evaluating, measuring your performance, providing you feedback, giving you personalized instruction in the areas that you need to uh, work on further. So this is one area where we've really gone beyond some of the conventional chatbot technologies that are out mm -hmm. there that where you can maybe have a little, you know, chit chat via text, but you're not measured in terms of, of your learning, your competency as the context of doing it. Whereas that is really an essential element of what we do with our technology. What kind of feedback would someone receive? What kind of metrics are you looking for? We look at are they able to accomplish the various objectives of the mm -hmm. task? So all of our simulations, our conversations are what we call task-based. Okay. The, the learner has some task that they're trying to perform. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe conduct an interview or to call somebody to do a contact trace, what have you. So then they get feedback on, well, did they meet all the objectives that they were supposed to meet? We also measure um, how much time it takes for them to go through the conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, we measure the, the number of conversational turns per minute, and that correlates well with mastery of the competencies that are being taught. So in other words, if you're spending a lot of time thinking about what to say, what to do, then you really have not yet mastered the skill. Mm. Uh, what we do is we encourage uh, learners to keep practicing until they can just kind of go through the conversation in a natural way, regardless of what the avatar says to them. And so then that becomes a much more realistic simulation of actual real world conversation. That's fantastic. I mean, it's certainly, I think, easy to imagine that we all know the difference that it makes to learn a foreign language from a textbook, or if you go to the country and immerse yourself with people who speak it fluently and have that contextual way of speaking rather than something that maybe you pick up in a textbook. But that's also super important in workplace cultures. Absolutely. And in many ways, the, uh, practicing with the avatar has the advantage that the avatars are infinitely patient. It's not a stressful situation. So not embarrassing it's really, <laughs> to speak. Or embarrassing. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's 
in building self-confidence is just as important as building competence yes. in, in the way we look at it. And so this is extremely uh, helpful for that. Absolutely. And because there's so many aspects of learning that inhibit learning, actually learning something new, the technicality of it is one thing. But for example, embarrassment is a huge hindrance in learning a foreign language and practicing it, or in practicing if you're selling to a customer, customer service, the nervousness that comes through in your voice, because you're embarrassed, you're unsure, all of that, it really does hinder the learning. So in this case, you're dealing with an avatar and that in itself is, is taken away. And it provides, as you said, patience and feedback, which is extremely important. That's wonderful. So what kind of feedback have you received from those using the technology? Is there a story that really stands out to you? I'll tell you a story from our work with, uh, with military training, which was really dramatic. So there was a, an army colonel, Colonel Wilson, who, who learned Arabic using one of our games before he uh, deployed to Iraq. And he liked it so much that later on, he took a battalion to Afghanistan. He had everybody train before they went. Mm -hmm. And before they arrived in that region of Afghanistan, there were multiple insurgent attacks per day. By the time they left, it was down to one or two per month. And Colonel Wilson really believes that the key thing of that was that, first of all, the Americans were able to communicate more effectively with the local people, mm -hmm. and they were more at ease and self-confident in working with, with the local people. And right. so they developed a very positive reputation from, from the local people. So this all was really a, a virtual cy virtuous cycle that, that established. And I think this is a, a dramatic case, but is, is illustration of how this type of training can really make a difference for people when they're actually put in a situation where they have to use the skills that they've been training. That's amazing. That is really very dramatic difference. And because they were learning about cultural ways of interacting with people. So something that they would have learned two extremely different cultures, and they were learning not just language, but also how to interact. Is that correct? Precisely. That's right. How to interact pe with people appropriately in particular situations. Mm -hmm. and, and this has really been a key theme of a lot of work that we do in, in teaching cultural competence, because we, re we recognize that you can't capture a culture in kind of broad brush generalizations of what Afghan culture is like, or what, you know, um, Honduran culture is like, or, 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 or what, what, what have you. It all boils down to how you interact with people in particular situations. And that right. is precisely what we are able to simulate and give people experience with. Mm, absolutely, and of course, reading something in a textbook, you forget it very quickly when you're in a scenario or seeing videos of it, but actually practicing it to what feels like real life really sticks, doesn't it? It does, and and research in, in learning science really motivated us in, in, in um, adopting this approach, that mm. people learn better when they're learning by doing. Right. They, it, they retain it better, and they also are able to transfer what they learned better to, to, the, to the real world. And, and this transfer issue 
is really the, I'd say one of the biggest problems for conventional textbook instruction. It's really hard to transfer what you picked up out of the textbook into a real world situation. Whereas if you're practicing in a simulation, you immediately recognize it. And, and, and actually I'll, I'll tell you another story that's just sort of a, a dramatical illustration of this. So I was once an observer of a training scenario out in the Mojave Desert. So what the, what the army and Marines there uh, did is they often would like bring in role players and sort of enact these different types of, of situations. So I was, I was sitting in on this meeting with the local leaders and, and then I had a reaction, which is like, oh, I've been here. I know exactly <laughs> what's gonna happen. And then I thought, no, I haven't been here. That's I've just so been in a simulation of it, but <laughs> it feels like I've been there. That's amazing. So, so that's really sort of that, that, that transfer really becomes very immediate when you put it in a simulation context like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned that that you really are basing it on a lot of science and research in, in education. And actually, your company started as a research project at the University of Southern California. And it started with helping language students learn new languages. But what was the inspiration behind starting this project? I thought that the technology was developing to the point where we could really create um, new kinds of effective learning experiences. So, so when we got started on this, uh, AI was beginning to develop, uh, 3D games were beginning to develop. And I thought, well, if we put these technologies together, we can create learning experiences that could be much more effective than been available in the past. And then once we put it to, you know, did that and saw the potential, then we said, oh, wow, there's a lot of ways that we can, we can use this approach. And, mm. and we're, you know, I feel sometimes that we've just, we, we're at the tip of the iceberg in terms of the potential of this technology to change the way people learn and people develop skills for the workplace. Yes, absolutely. And have you been surprised by the way that your technology has developed and been used? Well, I think one of the surprises was how this could really have an effect in, in, in changing people's lives. Mm. And, you know, I said that in terms of, I mean, the, the, the you know, of course the military applications are, are pretty dramatic, but also how this approach can help people who have been left behind by the conventional educational system. As we got into this, I only then developed a realization, oh, okay, here's what we can really do in, in terms, this can have a societal impact. If we can provide effective training to, uh, uh, to underserved populations. So in what so, way do you, do you see that? Because our technology helps people learn by doing, as I said, it helps mm -hmm. them learn quickly and it appeals well to learners who don't learn well from a textbook. You know, this is something that I learned when we were working with language learning is, is it occurred to me, well, you know, language teachers, they learn to learn a language in a particular way. And so they teach it in that particular way because they learned it that way. And so they, they teach it, it's well-designed for learners who are like them. Mm. 
But yes. there are a lot of other learners who get left behind who are more visually and experientially or oriented. So this helps to address the needs of those people. And of course, it helps them qualify for, for jobs much more quickly. And, and, and this is another reason why I think the work that we do in rapid skilling is very important, which mm -hmm. is that in conventional education, it's tied to this calendar, this academic calendar, you know? There's no benefit in going through the course more quickly. Whereas for real people who want to up qualify for real jobs, who have real lives that they're trying to, to insert their training in, the, the speed and effectiveness of the training is paramount. So that's why I think that applying what we're doing to workforce development is so important. Absolutely, it is huge. And as you said, speed is a huge factor and learning quickly and learning differently is a big factor, which are all very, very important. As you said, you're now implementing Alelo in workplace training where there's a lot of customer focus, such as manufacturing and healthcare. So can you tell me more about the kind of learning that this AI avatar is offering in the workplace. You touched on it a little bit, but explain a little bit more about how this is being used in the workplace. So our approach is, is very uh, competency focused. So what we mean by that is, the question is not just what you know, but have you acquired the ability to apply your knowledge in realistic situations similar, similar to, to the workplace. Yeah. So all of our curricula are oriented around the key competencies that somebody needs in order to be effective in a particular uh, occupation. To give you an example, what we're doing now in training community health workers, we are using COVID-19 response as kind of the sorts of examples of situations where you're applying the skills. But what we constantly do with the trainees is we say, okay, you just learned how to do a contact tracing interview. Now in this, you applied the competencies of developing rapport with a patient, of communicating medical information in a clear and simple way that people can understand. And these core competencies are things that you will be able to use again and again. So we use an approach we call a spiral staircase model, which is that we have a series of cases that, that touch on the different competencies, but, but are, are taking you progressively to higher and higher levels of competence in your ability to apply the skills. And this method we think has a lot of, of potential uh, application and you know, to, to a wide range of, of, of disciplines. So now we are you know, looking broadly at how we can uh, apply it. Now, of course, ones where communication is an essential element, that's kind of an easy fit, but this kind of approach can be applied more broadly. You know, somebody uh, asked me the other day, okay, could you use this approach to retrain people in oil and gas for clean energy jobs? And the answer is, well, yeah, sure. Because there's a common set of competencies 
in those occupations as well. Yeah. And so what you need to be able to do is provide people with situations where they can start practicing those competencies in a safe environment, yes. get comfortable with it, and then discover, oh yeah, what I learned in oil and gas work, I now can apply to uh, wind turbines. So right. that this kind of gives you an illustration of, of how our approach can, can be applied. I think you can easily imagine how this is happening in the real world. If you have this practice before you ever encounter a patient or a customer or a scenario, then you're just so much more prepared for, for that learning. Yeah, a place where we see, a, we're increasingly seeing demand in the upskilling area is for, with healthcare providers mm-hmm. who hire newly trained workers, let's say nursing assistants. And, and they have received training in the medical science, the medical procedures, but they have not gotten enough training in how to deal with patients. Mm-hmm. So, so and, and now that they're on the job, actually working with patients, then it is critical that they be able to interact effectively with patients. So, so we now are working with healthcare providers to integrate our training into their training, their in-house training programs to better prepare their employees to be effective with, with, with patients. Uh, and, and yes, of course, this is helpful for doctors as well, but, but just in terms of sheer numbers, the nursing assistants, the nursing aides, mm-hmm. the providing training to all of those people in the, um, in the healthcare team is vitally important. Mm, absolutely. It is so important because I remember uh, reading somewhere that the, the, the main reason for medical mistakes happening is miscommunication and communication training is actually one of the most important, but often not necessarily done types of training in in the medical profession. So this is really good. Uh, absolutely. And, and when we say poor communication, we're really saying two things. One is, is not communicating to the person clearly. Mm-hmm. And then the other is not listening. Mm. Uh, and, and this, by the way, is something that's, that's, that's a really key part of our training is you're learning not just how to express yourself clearly, but develop enough comfort in what you're doing, that you can be listening to the patient, you can be cueing off of things that the patient says Mm -hmm. that are say, oh, I can, I need to follow up on that to understand more clearly what's going on with this patient. Whereas Mm -hmm. if, if you're just following a script, then you just blow by all of that. You're not attuned to aspects of the patient that could, that, that really are important for providing effective care to them. Absolutely. And of course, as this is an artificial intelligence avatar, you can design into it a very deliberate, increasingly complex situations and scenarios, which people might not encounter for quite some time in their work. Actually, you you bring up a very important point, which is that there have been studies that, you know, that look at in, in a lot of occupations, why does it take so long for people to become experts? Mm-hmm. And one of the key reasons is it takes a long time for people to be exposed to a wide enough range of key situations yes. to become competent at. Whereas mm-hmm. we can present 
as many situations as, as, as we like. And, and, and really, if you will, provide a much richer learning experience mm -hmm. than you might get in a, in a regular day in the life kind yeah. of, 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 of workplace situation. And you can be priming the learner to be prepared for those complex situations. Whereas That's in the right. real world, you may once in a while be thrown a really complex scenario, but then you might forget the next time it happens because you weren't kind of scaffolded and primed into that learning. So really, really interesting right. learning experience that, that you've developed. And certainly not something that most people have encountered in their workplace training. So what are some of the key misconceptions that you hear from people when, when they're about to take on this type of training? One misconception is that we're trying to uh, replace teachers, mm -hmm. uh, replace trainers. The way we look at it is that we really are empowering trainers by providing them with tools so that they can be more effective in their training. So, so we see that this training is, is used most effectively in a, in a blended training scenario. So mm -hmm. helping the trainer, helping the instructor, I think is a, is a key part of it. Another assumption is, is that we're simply trying to replicate what teachers already do. We'll take it to a, an extreme. Sometimes teachers come to us and they'll say, well, can you create an avatar likeness of me that can then teach the class so I don't have to do it. Okay. And, and no, the actually the avatars are really, the benefit comes into play when we're actually uh, using them to role play various types of, of workplace uh, situations. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's something which is kind of a challenge for trainers to do that because then the trainer then has to, I mean, they can role play a patient, but they're still your trainer, you know? Yeah. Students, they get kind of self-conscious about making mistakes in front of their trainer. So again, yes. that sort of providing that safe space is something that people don't really have a, have a good uh, uh, appreciation for. Mm -hmm. but, but overall, I think people are afraid that, that AI is going to take over training and replace trainers and, and that's not all at all the case. It, it will it, it is empowering trainers. It is providing effective training experiences to people who otherwise would not have access to them in situations that they otherwise would not have access to them. Right. You bring up a really important point about learning technologies not replacing teachers. And actually the research shows that the best way to learn with learning technologies is with an instructor, with a teacher. With a, with a good instructor. Yes. This, this is by the way, right? Uh, the, I mean, absolutely. A lot of bad instructors out there. And so we can, we can help with that. Absolutely. That is, that is a really important point. And so what kind of support or training do you give or what kind of advice would you give to a trainer and how to use this in parallel, how to support Often educational technologies are implemented with the idea, as you said, that anyone can use it. It doesn't matter how good the teacher is, it'll do magic. When in fact, the opposite is true. You actually need an even better teacher to implement it well. So what do you do? What do you suggest to teachers? 
Professional development has become a key part of what we um, really focus on mm -hmm. in, in the development of our training. So it's not just development of the, of the training product, but providing guides to uh, trainers of how to integrate uh, computer or device-based training with, with, uh, with classroom activities. How can they complement each other? Mm -hmm. so, so, so that's number one. We, we, we really, whenever we get trainers, you know, initiate trainers to our program, we, we really make sure that they are paying, paying close attention to the professional development guides that we have provided. And then the other thing is, is how to make good use of the analytics that our platform is able to provide uh, for them, which are, are quite novel and very different from, from what they've been experiencing, what they've experienced before. But when they see it, they get it. So, so one key thing which Director Dashboard provides is you can see the learner's trajectory over time. Mm -hmm. You can see, are they applying themselves and are they making steady progress or are they not applying themselves or are they failing to make progress? So, so once trainers see this, then they recognize immediately, ah, okay, now this helps me to understand which students need help, where I need to focus my attention to mm -hmm. help students progress. Absolutely. But once we cover those key points, then generally trainers get it. And I will say, you know, Kinga, I just love it when I, you know, I, I have instructor access to our dashboard. So I get online sometimes and I see how the trainees are making progress. It is just so gratifying to see data that shows people are learning. It's, yes. it's, it's fabulous. <laughs> that is, absolutely. That must be very, very satisfying for sure. And so from you, you say that you provide training and teacher guides for mm -hmm. the trainers. If you can give one or two key tips to trainers, what they should take out of those guides, what would that be? Start by introducing the concepts, the skills mm -hmm. that, that the students are going to be practicing then give them exercises, activities to perform on the platform, but give them clear goals that they need to uh, accomplish. So in other words, your goal here is not to practice this contact tracing interview with Ms. Rodriguez one time. Practice it until you successfully master all the objectives in it. Then after the students have, have practiced, then when they come back to the, to the classroom, then work with them to probe their mastery, their understanding, and help them get to the next level. So to help, help them to learn beyond what they were able to learn on, uh, uh, with, with the software. If they follow that approach, what they will find is, th is that students are learning more rapidly and they are consistently learning more rapidly. There will be fewer stragglers that they have to focus their attention on, which of course then slows everybody down. Again, these are a couple of the reasons why this training is more rapid than, than conventional instruction. Mm. And also why it's so important to have well-trained trainers and well-supported trainers in this. That's really, really good. 
I mean, we've touched on this point before, but learning technologies are often criticized for not having the impact that they promise. And of course, this past century has been an example of learning technologies promising to be the silver bullet and, and falling very short of that. And often it's really the implementation that is hindering this impact. I want to bring up another point, which is why this type of technology can make uh, an impact where other technologies have failed to make an impact. And I think a key difference of these AI-driven platforms is they provide us access to real data right. on, on learners. Mm -hmm. So this is a follow-on on what, what we were talking about a moment ago, that we can see immediately if a training experience is having the desired impact or not. Mm -hmm. And if we can see that it's not, then we can then, uh, we can retrain the AI models. Uh, we, can, we can make revisions as necessary to make sure that it is working effectively in, in, in practice. In other words, so, so you, make the, you made the point that a lot of, of learning technologies have failed to have an impact on educational practice. Our platform gives us a view into educational practice. Mm -hmm. So we can tell whether or not it is having the, uh, the, the desired effect. So now we have a fighting chance to actually make it work. That's great. That is really, really good. And what do you think people should really consider when incorporating? Because it's always in the incorporation of any tool, any process, it's always in the incorporation of it that the problems often occur. What do you think people should really keep in mind and understand when incorporating this program? I mean, you've touched on training the trainers, understanding the, the teaching guide, but what would you make as key points for incorporating? It's all about thinking of, okay, what am I trying to accomplish as a trainer? And what does this technology, how does it help me to accomplish those. Yeah. So, so if you're simply trying to use technology to automate the same old way that you've trained in the past, then, then you're not going to achieve the full benefit. And, and then the really interesting thing is to think, okay, now that I have this capability, what can I do to then build upon this? So here, by the way, is you asked me earlier on, okay, what's an example of something surprising? Well, I just remembered something that was really surprising, which is that some of our trainers, what they did was they thought up the idea of, okay, after the students have um, gone through the practice, then have the students record a little summary on their phone. So these are English language learners. Mm -hmm. And so the students then were supposed to explain in English how they learned yes. using, using the platform. And so this enabled then the instructors to actually immediately see, is this student making progress hmm. or not in building proficiency. So, so yeah, they use WhatsApp all the time to create videos um, of, of sort of demonstrating their skill. This was surprise, but, but it makes perfect sense. So, so again, instructors, you know, think about how you can then combine this with other digital tools that your students already have mm -hmm. to be able to advance their learning in new ways. Mm. And it's exactly what you said that 
to really question why am I doing this? What is the purpose? What am I trying to achieve? Which of course in teaching is always, should always be the central question. And, and sometimes it needs a little bit of a reminder to step back and think about what am I actually trying to do? Uh, right. Minus the technology, minus the environment. What is the purpose? That's really by, by the way, we were talking about applications of this and I think it should be obvious a great application would be teacher training. Absolutely. So give, give yes, exactly. student teachers lots of practice working with different types of mm -hmm. students with different types of problems. Definitely. And uh, you can see the potential that this would have. Oh, it's huge. I mean, in, in teacher training, you go straight into the classroom and you have a senior teacher who is you know, taking care of you and guiding you, but you're there and getting the surprise scenarios from the students. And there's no amount of preparation that can truly prepare you for that real life experience. And having some of this type of training would be amazing. You're, you're several steps ahead of the game by the time you get to the real students and the real people to give them the best experience as well, because they're having a live class and uh, same as in healthcare, same as in anywhere. Mm -hmm. Of course, you're giving the the receiving end a much better experience, which uh, which is important. Absolutely. There's a huge spectrum of applications and what is next in where you're developing Alelo? We are really looking at uh, uh, applying this in the area of, of manufacturing. And again, you would think, well, manufacturing, very technical, but again, we're providing training to workers with low English proficiency. Okay. And so, and, and, and there's a lot of evidence that failure to communicate really contributes to quality issues, to mm. safety issues right. in, a, in a manufacturing setting. Mm -hmm. So this is gonna make, you know, make a difference really in, in helping our, our manufacturing industries who are, who are struggling to find qualified workers. Here mm. we can help them to get workers and, and help them to be, uh, to get the qualification that we needed, that they, that they need. I mean, we talked about healthcare, but just think about the whole healthcare industry, you know, from yeah. the folks who work for the insurance companies, who the folks who, who provide social services. There, yes. there's, a whole, there's a whole ecosystem built around healthcare provision, and we can touch various uh, uh, parts of that. So, so that just gives you a um, couple of examples where we are giving our attention. I should mention we are, you know, we're part of this X Prize competition mm -hmm. for rapid reskilling, and, and as part of that competition, so we're starting there in training community health workers. But as we progress, we will be applying this to more and more occupations, and so there, the X Prize people are encouraging us, and I think it's great that they are encouraging us to to look at the occupations that pay a living wage. And what can we do to eliminate the barriers of entry into those mm -hmm. occupations? Right. So, so those are the places where we're going to be um, uh, focusing uh, most of our efforts in the, in the next year or so. The training. And what can be some of those barriers? Well, part of it is, is just not understanding how to apply the competencies that you have to this new context. And it's not at all obvious. So, you know, I talk with, with people in, in community health at, who, you know, involved in, you know, transitioning people into community health worker jobs. 
And so they, you know, say, they mentioned some of the occupations that, that transfer easily. And one of them is bank tellers. And you might think, why bank tellers? Well, bank tellers, they work in the community. They, are, they, they're, they're, they interact with people. They understand the common problems that people encounter in their, in their daily lives. And by the way, those problems have a healthcare impact as well. Yes. So they come in with, with, with a lot of knowledge and even skills that can be applied in a, in a, in a community health profession. So, so a lot of it is really just helping people understand how they can get into this, this new occupation. Mm -hmm. Our conventional education training system is not well geared for this. You know, say, well, you go back to school, you know, you get a degree in such and so. Well, why do you need to do that if you already have some skills that can then be adapted for, mm. for this new occupation? Absolutely. And of course, that's a roadblock in itself, leaving the workforce to take a course, which takes longer and doesn't necessarily happen on the job. That is a huge barrier for entry uh, for people who simply can't afford to take time out of their jobs. It is. You know, a lot of our trainees, they, they are people, they're smart people, but, but life happened. Exactly. And so now they're trying to get back into an occupation. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we really understand that and are working to provide that kind of support to them. That's wonderful, really important. And of course, I mean, the, your work is completely limitless. I mean, there's so many different areas to incorporate this type of training. And of course, communication is such a central role to everything that we do. So it's uh, unbelievable how much, how much ground you can cover and uh, how much work you have ahead of you, but you've done incredibly interesting and uh, impactful, impactful work. Where can people go if they would like to access Alelo and incorporate it into their workplace? Well, first of all, they should go to our website, alelo.com. Mm -hmm. And then we provide some examples there. You know, we offer free trials to people who want to integrate our technology into their into their training programs but you know if they don't see if you don't see immediately how our technology could apply to your occupation we'll just leave a comment and ask because we would love to have a conversation with you about how our technology can help the skilling issues in your in your occupation in your industry and of course the links will be in the show notes for people they to access be. great well thank you but before we leave i i like to ask every guest about a recommendation that you have to read or watch something that inspires you you know i wish that there that that i and maybe they're out there and i just haven't come across them i, I would love it if there were like a book or uh, that really sort of laid out succinctly this problem of upskilling and reskilling and how it is different from uh, the conventional way of, of educating. Mm -hmm. But until then, just read as much as you can about you know, articles on people who are looking at the reskilling problem and, and what they are doing about it and really sort of apply fresh eyes to 
this workforce development problem, which mm -hmm. it is, which is so critical to us uh, in in this country right now, we need to be addressing it in in new ways. So this is what I'm doing all the time, and I encourage everybody to do it as well. That's very important because we don't often think about reskilling and upskilling, but globally, it is absolutely the number one thing that learning and development professionals are looking at and, and people working in the workplace should be thinking about because they will have to be reskilling and upskilling throughout their career a lot more than they imagine, even if they stay in the same job. And as you said, that is definitely something that, that should be looked into and, and yeah. a little bit aware of. People in the audience, if, if you come across stuff on, on, on this topic that you think that we should be looking at, <laughs> by all means, uh, reach out to me. I'd love to hear what you're, what you're coming across. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Lewis. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and to hear about this amazing technology that you have developed and are using in really unique and interesting ways. So thank you very much for, for sharing that. Oh, uh, my pleasure. I enjoyed speaking with you today. Thank you.